Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. They said to Jephthah, Come and be our commander, that we may fight against the people of Ammon. And so, verse 7, Jephthah said to the elders of Gilead, Do you not hate me? Or did you not hate me and expel me from my father's house? Why have you come to me now when when you are in distress? And the elders of Gilead said to Jephthah, That is why we have turned again to you now, that you may go with us and fight against the people of Ammon and be our head over all the inhabitants of Gilead. And there's the bait, isn't it? Today on Truth in Christ, the scripture says, Now Jephthah the Gileadite was a mighty man of valor. Welcome to our Bible study with Pastor Rob Kellogg. This brave and noble man in Israel had a clouded pedigree. His mother was a harlot, a common heathen prostitute. However, in spite of being rejected by his family, God blessed and used Jephthah to be a deliverer of his people. Our God can turn any wrong around and use it for good. Now let's open our Bibles to the book of Judges as Pastor Rob begins in chapter 11. And they encamped in Gilead. So these are the folks on the eastern shore of the Jordan. And the children of Israel, they assembled together and they encamped in Mizpah. And there are many places in Israel where there's Mizpah. There is a Mizpah. And we believe this one's probably on the eastern side of the Jordan as well. But notice verse 18 says, The people, the leaders of of Gilead, said to one another, Who is the man who will begin to fight against the people of Ammon? He shall be head over all the inhabitants of Gilead. Now, at this time in Israel's history, there was very little uh, spiritual leadership. There was very little leadership, period. And so they were just hunting for some man who was faithful, hunting for anyone who was faithful. And they couldn't, it was very hard to find a faithful man, even in our day and age today. It's like a politician, you know, a faithful politician is hard to find. A real leader is hard to find. It's very difficult. So now we get into chapter 11. It says, now Jephthah, the Gileadite, so he is a member of He's over in that land of Gilead, over on the that strip of land going from north to south, going on the, on the eastern side of the Jordan River. It says that he was a mighty man of valor. Notice how the Lord addresses him. But he was the son of a harlot, and Gilead begat Jephthah. So Gilead was uh, Jephthah's father. We don't think this is... that There are many different uh, Gileads, probably not the progenitor of the Gileadites. Uh, certainly it's... Probably not him. But Gilead begat Jephthah. And Gilead's wife bore sons. 
And when his wife's sons grew up, they drove Jephthah out. And they said to him, You shall have no inheritance in our father's house, for you are the son of another woman. So remember, Jephthah was born of a harlot. So now you've got this. He's the, he's the black sheep of the family. And the other sons, they don't want anything to do with him. It sounds just like any normal story in America today. There, you know, There's some uh, son or daughter out of wedlock, and, and the rest of them were born within the family from one mother, and the rest of the family shuns the one. And certainly it, nothing has changed. And so the sons, they drive him out. And if you look at Judges chapter 8, verses 30 and 31, we see a very similar thing that happened in the life of Gideon because Gideon's father had 70 sons, and certainly he was the son of one of his, um, his father's concubines. And his, his brothers drew... Um, actually, I think I got that wrong here. I better get that right. Uh, yeah, Gideon... Uh, I'm sorry, Gideon had, seven, um, had 70 sons, I'm sorry, and his concubine was in Shechem, and she bore a son, and his name was Abimelech. That was the, the gentleman we, we looked at uh, two weeks ago. And so, going on to verse 3 here, it says, Then Jephthah fled from his brothers, very naturally, and he dwelt in the land of Tob, which is probably uh, somewhere north, uh, east, uh, further from where he was. And, and notice, and worthless men banded together with Jephthah and went out raiding with him. So now he's got a bunch of uh, uh, miscreets, and, and they're going out and they're doing raidings and stuff like that. And it came to pass after a time, verse 4, that the people of Ammon made war against Israel. And so it was when the people of Ammon made war against Israel that the elders of Gilead, they went to get Jephthah from the land of Tob. So when they said to Jephthah, come and be our commander, that we may fight against the people of Ammon. Now remember, these are the people who just thrust him out. The, his brothers, his 70 brothers, uh, the, you know, they don't want anything to do with him. So they thrust him out, and now he's the black sheep of the family. But now, when things get tough, and they need somebody who's got some military experience, who do they call? The black sheep of the family. They come running for him. And so... They said to Jephthah, Come and be our commander, that we may fight against the people of Ammon. And so verse 7, Jephthah said to the elders of Gilead, Do you not hate me? Or did you not hate me and expel me from my father's house? Why have you come to me now when, we, when you are in distress? And the elders of Gilead said to Jephthah, That is why we have turned again to you now, that you may go with us and fight against the people of Ammon and be our head over all the inhabitants of Gilead. And there's the bait, isn't it? There's the bait. We've come to, you know, he's got this army of men. We don't know how big it is, but they're uh, uh, some lewd guys. And he's got this band. They're like, let's just get whoever we can. But in order to secure him to come in with his band of guys, they've got to dangle the bait of leadership over him. And um, uh, Jephthah was willing to do that. Now, it's interesting that as we go along here, you know, we, we, we don't want to paint Jephthah as being some kind of, um, you know, really no different than any other man. But he, he had some really good things, some good qualities about him. We're going to see that. And he also made a foolish error, which we're going to get into tonight. But let's go on, because otherwise we won't get into it. Uh, so... So Jephthah said to the elders of Gilead, If you take me back home to fight against the people of Ammon, and the Lord delivers them to me, shall I be your head? In other words, are you going to promote me and, and set me at the head, the captain of it all? 
And the elders of Gilead said to Jephthah, The Lord will be a witness between us if we do not do according to your words. So then Jephthah went with the elders of Gilead, and the people made him head and commander over them. And Jephthah spoke all his words before the Lord in Mizpah. And can you imagine what that meeting with the Lord must have been like? I, I would love to have heard what you know Jephthah said to the Lord, you know, just crying out to him and saying, Lord, you know, they didn't want anything to do with me. I was the black sheep of the family. Nobody wanted me. Now they want me. And now... Um, are you going to deliver me this, you know, the Ammonites into my hand? You know, then Jephthah, verse eleven, went with the elders of Gilead, and the people made him head and commander over them. And Jephthah spoke all his words before the Lord of Mizpah. Now Jephthah sent messengers to the king of the people of Ammon. So now he sends an ambassador to the king of Ammon, and says this. And so the king of the people of, um, I'm sorry, I'm getting this messed up here. Verse 12, Jephthah sent messengers to the king of the people of Ammon, saying, What do you have against me, that you have come to fight against me in my land? And the king of the people of Ammon answered back through an embassy, of course, through messengers. And he said, Because Israel took my land away when they came up out of Egypt from the Arnon as far as the Jabbok to the Jordan, now therefore restore those lands peaceably. And so in verse 14 through 27, we're just going to read straight through this. Jephthah gives them a history lesson and basically refutes his claims. So let's just get right into it. So Jephthah again sent messengers to the king of of the people of Ammon and he said to him, Thus says Jephthah, Israel did not take away the land of Moab, nor the land of the people of Ammon. For when Israel came up from Egypt, they walked through the wilderness as far as the Red Sea. They came to Kadesh. And then Israel sent messengers to the king of Edom, saying, Please let me pass through your land. But the king of Edom would not heed. And in like manner they sent to the king of Moab, but he would not consent either. So Israel remained in Kadesh. And all of this history is recorded for us in the Old Testament. But specifically, this particular part is in Deuteronomy, first three chapters of Deuteronomy. You can read that. So, And they went along the wilderness and bypassed the land of Edom and the land of Moab. And they came to the east side of the land of Moab, and they encamped on the other side of the Arnon, but they did not enter the border of Moab, for the Arnon was the border of Moab. So then Israel sent messengers to Sihon, king of the Amorites. Remember, there's a difference between an Amorite and an Ammonite. They sound very similar, but one has an R and one has an N. It's easy to get uh, those confused because if you read it quickly, Amorite, Ammonite, they sound kind of similar, but they're very, they're, they're two different peoples. So just be aware of that because I've made that mistake myself. Uh, let's see. So then Israel sent messengers to Sihon, king of the Amorites, king of Heshbon, and Israel said to them, please let us pass through your land into our place. So uh, Jephthah is rehearsing what they said to them way back when. But Sihon did not trust Israel to pass through his territory. So Sihon gathered all of his people together. They encamped in Jahaz, and they fought against Israel. And the Lord God of Israel delivered Sihon and all his people into the land or into the hand of Israel, and they defeated them. Thus Israel gained possession of all the land of the Amorites who inhabited that country. Then they, they took possession of all the territory of the Amorites from the Arnon, which is a river, uh, to the Jabbok and from the wilderness to the Jordan. 
And now the Lord, verse 23, the Lord God of Israel has dispossessed the Amorites from before his people Israel. Should you then possess it? (laughs) Will you not possess whatever Chemosh, your God, gives you to possess? So whatever the Lord our God takes uh, possession of before us, we will possess. In other words, God has given us this land. Uh, your gods have given you that land, so be content with what you've got because we didn't just come in and take it from you. You know, they went in and God told them to wipe out uh, a certain uh, people group and the reasons for doing so. He says, therefore, verse 25, and now are you any better than Balak, the son of Zippor, the king of Moab? Did he ever strive against Israel? Did he ever fight against him, fight against them? While Israel dwelt in Heshbon and its villages, in Aurora and its villages, and in all the cities along the banks of the Arnon for 300 years, why did you not recover them within that time? In other words, 300 years have gone by. Why are you saying this all of a sudden? That's kind of the idea. Sounds familiar in, uh, in the things that are going on in politics? Why did you wait all this time and then finally you come out and say something, right? Sometimes it's for good reason. Sometimes it's for not. So anyway... Therefore, verse 27, I have not sinned against you, Jephthah says to the king of Ammon, but you wronged me by fighting against me. May the Lord, the judge, render judgment this day between the children of Israel and the people of Ammon. Remember, Ammon is the illegitimate son of Lot from his daughter, remember. So they are the people of Ammon. So verse 28, however, the king of the people of Ammon did not heed the words with Jephthah which Jephthah sent him. And so now, verse 29, notice, Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah, and he passed through Gilead and Manasseh, and passed through Mizpah of Gilead. And from Mizpah of Gilead he advanced toward the people of Ammon. And one thing you have to understand is, even though the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah, it doesn't mean that that God was um, God was certain certainly with him in in a military sense in conquering and to conquer this people, but we know that the spirit of God certainly wasn't involved in what we're going to see in a few minutes. Meaning the decision, this rash vow that Jephthah had made, God didn't cause him to do that. God didn't uh, encourage him to do that. That was he was all on his own when he did that. And so, and so finally, in verse 30, we see the vow that Jephthah makes. And you know, there's something interesting that happens to all of us when we are in a strait. Uh, oftentimes, we find ourselves in a pinch and we say things uh, to, to God or to somebody else. You know, we'll, we'll say, I swear by, you know, whatever. I, I'll never do that again. Or I promise that if this, if you do this for me right now, then I promise that I'll do this. You know, we make these vows when we are in a strait. And Jephthah is in a strait because now he's going to go against his people and Jephthah wants to make sure that God is going to give him deliverance. So basically, what does he do? God doesn't tell him to do this. Jephthah willingly vows this vow. And this is a horrible thing of his whole career. This was the one thing that the the Bible, in fact, in this whole um, narrative that we're looking at tonight, it mentions a little bit about the battle, but the most of it is is speaking about the this vow that he had made, you know, and, and Jephthah's daughter. And it's a really unfortunate thing. So Jephthah made a vow to the Lord and he said, if, and here's the conditional statement, if you will deliver me, God, the people of Ammon, into my hands, then 
I will. Then it will be that whatever comes out of the doors of my house to meet me, that when I return in peace from the people of Ammon, surely shall be the Lord's, and I will offer it up as a burnt offering. And so there's no indication that the Lord required this. And doubtless, would it, you know, the Lord would have given him victory, uh, even still, had he not made the vow to begin with. So a lot of times when we get into these pinches, it's better not to vow at all. In fact, in Numbers chapter 30, it says this, It says, Moses spoke to the heads of the tribes of Israel concerning this. He said, This is the thing which the Lord has commanded. If a man makes a vow to the Lord or swears an oath to bind himself by some agreement, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. And then later on in that same chapter of Numbers 30 and verse 6, it says, well, let me just leave it there. For time's sake, that's all we really need to look at. You know, If a man makes a vow, he needs to be faithful to continue and to fulfill that. In Deuteronomy 23, it says the same thing in verse 21. It says, When you make a vow to the Lord your God, you shall not delay to pay it, for the Lord your God will surely require it of you, and it will be sin to you. But if you abstain from vowing, it shall not be sin to you. That which has gone forth from your lips... You shall keep and perform, for you voluntarily vowed it to the Lord, your God, and you have promised with your mouth. And so there's quite a bit here stating that if you vow something of your own volition with your own mouth, then God's going to hold you accountable to, to pay that, to follow through with it. In Ecclesiastes 5, verse 4, it says, When you make a vow to God, do not delay to repay. For he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you have vowed. Better not to vow than to vow and not pay. And and we're going to see in, in Jephthah here in just a few minutes, um, there's a lot of speculation about how he dealt with this situation. Um, it's a very complicated issue. And we'll, we'll briefly look at that. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 5 because uh, the words of Jesus are really important here. And we'll just look at Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 33. Matthew 5, verse 33. Jesus speaking, he says, Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall perform your oaths. An oath is the same thing as a vow. It's a promise, right? You shall perform your oaths to the Lord. But I say to you, don't swear at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king, nor shall you swear by your head, because you cannot make one hair white or black or gray. <laughs> you can't make your hair turn any color, <laughs> no matter what you do. But let your yes be yes, and your no be no, for whatever is more than these is from the evil one. Because we often make vows, we make oaths that we are not capable of fulfilling, and we haven't really thought it through. We don't even have the means to fulfill an oath oftentimes. So it's better for us just not to do it at all. And I've made those kind of oaths to the Lord. And uh, I won't go into it now, but there's one specifically that I'm thinking of that is, you know, the Lord has His way. Uh, the Lord had His way. And um, it's just a wonderful thing. It's, it's always good to, to not vow. <laughs> but if you vow, um, you know... God can forgive anything, right? But it's better not to sin and to make some kind of vow that I'm not capable of fulfilling because I can't see what tomorrow holds. I can't see what the future holds. Sometimes there's things that happen in our life that prohibit us very 
you know, it makes it impossible to do something. You know, I, I could make a make a comment, you know, on a on a day that I'm gonna I'll be at your house. You know, it's 45 minutes away, but I'll be there and I'll be here there at such and such a time. And there's nobody else on the road but me, and my car breaks down, and I can't make it. So there's a, a good indicator that I don't have control over anything really, and so it's it's better for me not to make a vow. But notice what it says here. So Jephthah. Verse 32, back in our text, He advanced toward the people of Ammon to fight against them, and the Lord delivered them into his hands, and he defeated them from Aurorar as far as Minith, twenty cities, and to Ebel uh, Keramim with a very great slaughter. And thus the people of Ammon were subdued before the children of Israel. And this is where the heartbreak comes in, because now he's flushed with this victory. He's made the vow, probably already forgot about it perhaps, but he's got this great victory. And notice, when Jephthah came to his house at Mizpah, there was his daughter coming out to meet him with timbrels and dancing. And notice what the Bible says here. And I believe it says this because it's painting a picture. It's creating a type. Even though the type may not be the strongest, there is a type here that I think we'll see. Notice what it says, that she was his only child. Besides her, he had neither son nor daughter. You know, the Bible didn't have to mention that, but it did. And I think there's a reason why. It seems that the Holy Spirit may have been weaving in here this narrative of what was ultimately going to happen with Jesus, him being the only son, God's only son that is going to die and, and, and die on a cross. Now, certainly Jephthah's daughter didn't die on a cross, but uh, there's some who believe she was uh, killed and offered as a burnt offering. And um, we'll look at that in a few minutes. But uh, So we see a type here. This innocent virgin young girl was going uh, uh, was going to potentially be uh, offered as a burnt sacrifice. So it came to pass, verse 35, that when he saw her, that he tore his clothes and he said, Alas, my daughter, can you imagine? I can't imagine this at all. If I was Jephthah and I was coming back from some victory after I've made some boneheaded vow <laughs> that I was going to, you know, the first thing that came out of my house, I was gonna, and then I see my daughter, Ariana, you know, to see her, you know, coming out. I mean, how would I, you know, honestly, I don't think I would have the guts to follow through it. I would just say, Lord, take my life. <laughs> you know, I was foolish to, to do something like that. Lord, do whatever you've got to do to me, but I will not do this. Forgive me, you know. Very tough stuff. But it came to pass when he saw her that he tore his clothes. He said, Alas, my daughter, you have brought me very low. You are among those who trouble me. For I have given my word to the Lord, and I cannot go back on it. So she said to him, My father, if you have given your word to the Lord, do to me according to what has gone out of your mouth, because the Lord has avenged you of your enemies, the people of Ammon. And I love this, because you look at the daughter, and it seems that she knew, perhaps, what her father had vowed. Perhaps she heard it before he left to go to the battle. You know, uh, and um, to me, if I were her and I heard that, I would probably hide back in the forest somewhere, uh, even after the victory, I would hide myself somewhere. Uh, but it, this, this sounds an awful lot, a lot like, you know, Isaac, you know, submitting himself to Abraham when Abraham was going to offer his son. And God, of course, intervened. It sounds an awful lot like Jesus, the only son, just like Isaac was. Now, Jesus, the only son, being offered in... Uh... 
I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Judges. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.